0: Hey, it's Colin here. Uh, There was a problem that happened with recording this particular session, so uh, you're gonna be getting a, a recap of it instead, and to make up for the lack of a real episode, I've got a bonus episode lined up to go live at the same time. This I think it's the same time as this. Um, it's it's gonna be great. Uh, you get to see what the Salem, Massachusetts crew gets into on a fairly regular basis. So that's neat. Uh, I haven't even recorded that yet. So hopefully it's good and makes up for the fact that you don't get a real session this week. Um, so enjoy my recap of the thing that happened that just the the recording didn't work out properly. (music) Inez was worried. The FBI agent the other day was asking questions. The figure had told her that it would take care of everything, assured her that they would find nothing. Why wouldn't she want to trust it? It filled fulfilled every end of its bargain. Still, she paced in her office, looking out her window, barely getting any work done. Her excuse to her workers is that she's worried about Louis. But in truth, she's not worried about just Louis, but the other people she had sacrificed. He started small, just taking a few years off of her. But he wanted more. She always gave him more, though, and she was always rewarded for it. As the day came to a close, she sighs heavily and heads out. She'll have to go to him again, and hopefully he won't ask for more than he, she can provide. Um, and this is where the actual recap begins. Uh, so the day begins for Cooper after waking up, getting his coffee and the morning shower and all that sort of jazz when there's a knock at his door. And standing there is a small, mousy, short-haired man calling himself Agent Wade Graham from the Department of Homeland Environmental Acquisitions. He's let in and starts asking Cooper questions about the aquarium incident and even his current investigation. Uh, Cooper tries to dance around the fact that they hunt monsters and lies to the guy, at which point he asks for Cooper's notes. Uh, Cooper hastily scribbles together some notes and hands them to the agent, then makes a phone call to his FBI contact. Uh, the, The FBI contact manages to contact Graham's boss, Director Arius, to call him and get him off Cooper's back. Uh, H. Graham leaves. Cooper finally stopping the forced smile he had on as the door closes. Uh, and then, as for Jorgen, he's taken to Scab to the Mall, a mystifying, pl- a mystifying place of storefronts that don't open until ten a.m. Marble stonework, soccer moms walking their children in strollers, and old people power walking. Stores and kiosks open up, and Jorgen simply buys some small Baltimore-centered bobbleheads of Ed Poe, uh, John Waters, and some other guys. Uh, he and Scab then go out for pancakes because Scab loves him some pancakes. And apparently, Jorgen has an unlimited de- uh unlimited money, data or debit card, which I mean, guess makes sense. It's it makes sense with the with the fiction. Uh, and then. Amber gets a call from her mom. Hooray, it's Amber mom. Um, During the discussion, Amber realizes that after having a condo bought for her and having been in the same location for almost a month now, she lives in Baltimore. Uh, then Q making us some shitty jokes about having to do stuff at the DMV next session. I promise that won't actually happen. We can kind of fast forward through that whole process. Uh, overall, it's a much better chat that she had with her been with her dad because Amber actually kind of likes her mom. Aw. So after all that morning stuff is done, the three meet up at Red Robin for their next move. Uh, they invite Scab, but apparently he's banned from every Red Robin in the Tri-State area for, and I quote, testing out how bottomless the fries are. They review their notes while ordering and eating delicious hot burgers, the kind you can only experience at a Red Robin restaurant. Red Robin. Yum. Please, Red Robin, give me money for this. They decide to go to review the security footage at Amber's place and then go question Lewis's girlfriend. Um so at Amber's apartment they load up the USB or CD or DVD or whatever it is. The fuck places used to archive their footage these days? What do people use? That's a good question I don't I don't get it. Anyway, they comb through that whole thing. Um Jorgen manages to spot something, however. For a single frame, they see an emaciated figure cloaked in ash hovering above Lewis. It had been following him for a while, it seems. They then head to Vicky Brooks's house, where they meet the woman who looks like she hasn't slept since Lewis's disappearance. Uh, there they question her, finding out that in this she never got too close to him despite being there for a few months. And they also learned that the night he went missing, he was on a call with her around 10 to 10.30 at night when he stopped talking mid-sentence. All that was left was a weird, rasping, sucking sound, which she rationalizes to herself as just being static. Uh, after the questioning, though, she tells Cooper to get the bastard who did this. Uh... With this information, they decide to follow Welch, uh, and as she leads him through the city, they decide to let Jorgen trail her. Uh, as turns out, Jorgen immediately messes it up, shouting to Inez that she knows how to work a cell phone. It was, it was hilarious, actually. Um, this causes her to make a run for it, and Jorgen follows her. And then back at the car, Cooper and Amber are sort of waiting for Jorgen to report in when uh, some lights come come up and from behind them. And, uh, out from the car walks Agent Graham, who asks them what they're doing here. Uh, Cooper tries to tell them that they are trying to decide what movie they want to go see, and Graham tells them that they'll run late if they don't move right now. Uh, Cooper tries to buy some time, but Graham is insistent that they really need to leave right now, or they'll miss their movie, you silly geese? Silly gooses? Silly, is this still, is it still geese? Not... Instance? I think it is. Um they drive off to go pick up Jorgen. Uh Jorgen, meanwhile, has gotten and is uh cornered in an alleyway, when suddenly from behind him the monster attacks and grabs his shoulders and seemingly just makes them rot from a touch. Uh Jorgen tries to stab the monster, but all he manages to succeed in doing is lodging the knife into the thing's shoulder. It replies in kind by just staring into his brain and making it feel like it's exploding. It's around that time that Inez manages to slip past them while they're distracted and runs off as Cooper and Amber arrive in the car. Uh, Jorgen is stabbed by his own knife and slammed into the ground by the monster and Cooper seeing his opening floors it towards the monster. Um, he zooms right over Jorgen, but the thing merges into the shadow from whence it came and Jorgen just not Jorgen, and Cooper just slams into the uh, the alleyway, uh, kind of messing the car up. It's, it doesn't total it, but it's messed up a little bit. Um, Amber and Cooper quickly get Jorgen into the car and drive off just as the thing starts to reemerge. Uh, along the way, Cooper manages to patch up and stabilize Jorgen long enough to drive back to the safe house, where Scab uses his magic to heal up Jorgen the rest of the way. Uh, Cooper asks Stab, it, Stab, Cooper asks Scab, not Stab, Scab, if he is familiar with the DHEA, and Scab informs him that they are an official government-sanctioned monster hunters. Only instead of killing the monsters, they are captured and sent off to parts unknown, where the Crimson Ravens don't know what happens to them. Uh, they're big, they're extremely well-funded, and when they get involved, the Ravens tend to end on the short end of the stick, more often than not. Uh, Cooper heads home for the night, and as he dreams, the monster visits him. Uh, it tells Cooper that it does not blame him for reacting the way that he did, and he can, in fact, help him out greatly, promising him the ability to clean up the police nationwide, offering a seat at the very top the presidency. Cooper flat out rejects the monster, and it simply sighs, stating that Amber was more willing to make a deal with it. And with that, Amber Williams walks into the parking garage, alone, at 11.30pm. She carries a knife with her, untrusting of the meeting with the figure she is about to see. Just as she is about to leave, an emaciated figure with blind eyes appears. After a bit of talking, a bit of negotiating, and a statement from Amber that she won't sacrifice an animal, they come to an agreement. The monster steps up to her, and makes a rattling inhalation noise. Her immediate feeling is death, She is dying, and this thing is killing her. But from that feeling of death, her adrenaline kicks in, and she feels a bright, vibrant life, the life she has never felt before, a warm wave replacing the cold plunge she had felt not less than a second ago. From there, she is shown a vision of Cooper talking to Seymour in private, just after their first hunt. As the grey hairs start to form from her life being sucked out of her, the monster... Now looking fuller with visible pupils, simply says, And this is all I offer to you this night. I know other things about these Crimson Ravens. I have dealt with their ilk before. Should you wish to learn more? And they both leave.